If you would like to support the podcast and get some extra content while you're there, head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast and sign up. From the rewatch to the Q&A, we will have loads of content every week. So sign up, patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. And now, here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of severemma.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 370 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, joined today by the Brian Cody of Irish MMA Media, Graham MacDonald, as we talk about... uh, uh, do you know what? It was an interesting night in the world of mixed martial arts last night. Uh, we had the biggest card of the year. Um, and do you know what? D- don't f- don't fast forward today. There's no manscaped ad, so we're going to get straight into it here uh, and talk about UFC 276. Because, Graham, I was coming into this card, right? And I, if anyone listened to our show last week or listened to the preview show, I was bang up for this card. I could not wait for it. I spent extra hours that I didn't have uh, walk on back watching fights, even though you know I'd watched the Max Holloway fight uh, against uh, Volkanovski plenty of times, and I'd watched all the Cannoneer and Adesanya fights, but I went back and I watched them anyway so we could break it down and so we could talk about it. I watched, went back watching Ian Gary fights and Gabe Green fights and got mad up for that fight. And that, No, that was good. We'll get to that in a second, but... It just felt like, and I went back and I looked at the car there this morning, uh, just before we, we started here with a big sleepy head me, and I was like, that kind of disappointed, didn't it? It was it was one of those shows, that, and you know, not to be a negative Nancy or anything, but I was couldn't be couldn't have been more positive about the show coming into it and then coming out of it. I, I wonder, is it just the way it ended? Because it was just such a boring main event. And as you saw the video that I put up, the T.O. shot over there, people streaming out, like, during the fourth or just after the fourth round because of how bad it was. It was, you know, we, we, we try to call it straight here. We try to get the, you know, the ebb and flow of what's actually got on. And I felt like it, that's exactly what it was. Everyone was mad up for it. was International Fight Week. It felt like the first real International Fight Week in years. Uh, it's, the build-up had been great. The card was great. The fights were were all we wanted to see. And some of them in the undercard were very, very good, and we will get to them. But the way it ended, it just kind of dragged it all down. What, what were your feelings watching it, Graham? Yeah, I, I, you know, if you're hyping it up massively in your head, obviously it's going to disappoint. But if you're just coming in casually and you're kind of just throwing it on for the main of the, the main card, uh, obviously the main event wasn't great. But for the, the rest of the main card, it was it was pretty entertaining. Uh, but you know, as you said, when when it's it's such a big card and it has big names and matchups you're looking forward to, maybe it did underwhelm a little bit. But you know, uh, yeah, I think overall it was still a pretty good card. Yeah, overall it was a good card. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. But I don't know, just it, it just ended so 
so terribly that uh, it was, uh, yeah, I don't know, I dragged it all down. Because I remember, like, talking in the build-up coming up. I, I expected... Do you, really, do you really think it was that terrible, the oh, main event? Oh, like, awful, yeah. Did you... It went kind of, like, similar enough to how I thought it would go, to Yeah, be but uh, I, I, I hoped for better. Did you watch it last night, or did you watch it this morning waking up? I watched it this morning. I watched up uh, the, well, the Law, Robbie Lawler fight. Oh uh, uh, yeah, night, that's right. That that's probably yeah. it. So maybe maybe I was uh, you know six a.m. watching this fucking faint fest. Maybe maybe that's maybe that's a bit of it. Yeah, it probably wasn't yeah, as bad as I think. Although <laughs> people walking out and lots lots of the other people I saw online reacting to it and things uh, were of the same mind as me. I think a lot of now maybe some people disagree. And look, if you were to go back and pick it apart and do a technical breakdown of it, I'm sure. Or it would be, um, you know, you, you could pick unbelievably good things that Adesanya did out of it. But a big problem for, for Adesanya is, right, he came in and he is the guy that they're all talking about being the next star, being the next McGregor and all of this. Uh, and he came in this week and he said, I, I, do, I, do, I want to show, what was it? I want to show off. I want to show, I want to be the show. I want to be the top of the show. Performances like this are not going to get you to McGregor levels, are not going to make you a person that people look at and they think he's a show-off. He is, uh, you know, a, a destructive fighter. And there's been too many of these as well. The Yoel Romero fight was absolutely god-awful. Even the Vittorian Whitaker fights weren't uh, blowers at all. I saw uh, Mookie Alexander talking about it last night, saying uh, of his, what was it, four title defences, three of them have been awful. <laughs> and it's the ones that went to a decision and then that is that's hard to debate with and that is not a star making thing especially and I think this is, cannot be said enough with how bad middleweight is like Jerry Cannonier was god awful last night he just offered absolutely nothing and you can probably look at it and say well Jared Cannonier actually probably did well for who Jared Cannonier is and I would probably agree with that but if we're talking about a world title fight at the top of a card in international fight week if this is the best you can find to go in there against Israel and Adesanya what does that say about the division but also what does it say about Adesanya that he can't get him out of there or he can't style on him like this this was a fight of fine margins to, to quote my good friend Richard Kiley like this was this was a fight that literally could have turned on a punch or two and he, I think he won the third round and two cards that fourth round was close if he had landed two more shots there at Cannoneer he could have won that and it could have been 2-2 going into the fifth now that might seem insane but that's actually the situation if you think back and it feels like a fight that Adesanya absolutely dominated in terms of the goings of the fight there wasn't one big significant strike there wasn't one moment in the fight that made, made you excited or anything and this week as well you know with the Hall of Fame and all this shit we, we've been thinking about the sport more than the actual X's and O's of the sport itself and we have to do that because that's what MMA is about and it just feels like Adesanya is one of those guys who talks and talks and talks about being entertaining and exciting and all of that but he's actually boring as fuck right he is really 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 boring and he's this faint fest and it's great and I'm sure if you like footboxing and all of this shit you'll be delighted watching this for five rounds but god I might and I'm a little bit mad here now so you know I, I could change my mind in a while but I stand up till six o'clock in the morning to watch this lad fainting at this average middleweight who should 
not even be in the cage with him because he's so inferior and he just doesn't style yeah. on him. He doesn't take the, it to the next level. Like. I think the problem, the problem may be that he is, these opponents are so inferior. The middleweight division is kind of so limited that it's just easy for Adesanya to go in there and just kind of, you know, uh, spar around with the guys and pick up easy decisions that he doesn't have to make things, you know, he doesn't have to make things happen from behind. He hasn't been, you know, uh, in the middleweight division anyway, in kind of big adversity where he needs to come out and make something happen in a round. He's, he's kind of always in control and he, he's not really taking chances because he doesn't need to. You know, uh, obviously we saw him step up uh, in weight and it didn't go well. Uh, he obviously lost that, but at middleweight, we've seen it become all a bit too easy for him, I think. I think yeah. that's the problem. It, that is, yeah, that is part of the problem. Although, like... <laughs> You, it's weird that you can understand when he fights Yoel Romero, right? Because he's so dangerous and all to kind of stand there and wait and wait and wait. I, that's, there's no problem with that fight, I, I don't think. But when he does the same against Marvin Vittori or Cannoneer, it's like, well, Whitaker, okay, fair enough, whatever. But God almighty, just... Uh, and it, it's... Look, it might be unfair of me to say this, but it, we're looking at a very unfair fan base you know, we're we're looking at. I, I saw loads of fans last night because that video that I put up went a bit viral or whatever, and there was people replying to it. And I saw loads of people saying, "I will never buy an Israel Adesanya pay per view again." No, they probably will the next time it comes around. You know yeah, what I mean? They definitely will. You, like MMA retirements. <laughs> yeah, but you also don't want that feeling about one of your potential big stars. You really, really don't, especially in America. Like people were talking, I was comparing him versus Holloway, and I actually think Holloway at the top of the card would have done better. And we've talked about it last week. I won't won't get into it again. But a lot of Adesanya's following obviously is in Australia and New Zealand as well. Where it's, I, I think it's pay per view there, if I'm not mistaken, but it's not the same sort of pay per view as it is in America, where it's $90 or anything like that. And we know how cutthroat the American fan base can be in terms of, uh, you know, they're, they're, I wonder, can you hear that helicopter behind me? The fucking, the JP McManus invitational thing is on uh, just down the road over the next couple of days, and there's helicopters just going back and forth all the time for the last fucking week, and just non stop. But anyway, um, uh, yeah, I, I like. I, I just really think sometimes you have a star-making performance. Um, you know, McGregor knocking out Aldo, or you know, John Jones against Shogun, or and and you have maybe those lads and Jones especially, obviously, because McGregor didn't go on the long run as champion. But having maybe more boring or more lackluster fights, but then to have the exciting one, you know, the Jones versus Gustafson fight or, you know, big submissions like against uh, Leota Machida or whatever it might be, or knocking out Daniel Carmier with the high kick, I think. It's just, it just feels like Adesanya has had none of that. He destroyed Paulo Costa because Paulo Costa was so bad that he couldn't not destroy him. But everything else has yeah. been a decision over the last while. It's a lack of jeopardy, you know. It's a lack of jeopardy yeah. in the fights, I think, as well, yeah. It, that's a big problem, though, isn't it? It, if, like, it? it feels like MMA is an inherently risky sport. But when you're fighting such inferior fighters and then putting no risk into it itself, it just takes away that jeopardy. Like when you're watching fights, Graham, I know, like me too, I watch it for judging and I watch it for, uh, you know, the, the, the general goings of the fight, if you want to put it that way, and the technique and the tactics and all. But also at the end of the day, if there's no entertainment there, like literally, like this fight 
was they had it, there was no entertainment in it. You could talk about tactics, you could talk about you know what he did to, to stifle Cannonier and all of this, but there was just no entertainment there. And what is MMA without entertainment? You know, Cowboy retire, retired last night, and everyone was talking about oh, you know, he's going into the Hall of Fame. And I, you know, I, I don't really understand Hall of Fames, are we might get into that later, might we might not, but he's getting in there, right? If he does get in there because he's entertaining, because he used to show up, and even if he get finished or he you know he'd get an, a head kick or he'd get a submission or whatever it might be he put on a show and he was entertaining right and okay he didn't get to the top of the mountain like Adesanya has got to or anything like that but you know the guys who are beloved like that whether you know whether it's him or you know even, even Romero at times or, or you know McGregor or Aldo or whatever they put on a show like even Aldo going to a decision all those times and people just give out to him about going to a decision but it was entertaining Dominic Cruz going to a decision was entertaining it ju- uh, just feels like Adesanya's inter. It's just his lack of entertainment. Do you think that's a big thing? Like, or am I overstating it here? Um, you know, it, it, I think maybe a little bit you're overstating it, but I, I do agree. Like with a lot of it, I think you know, uh, for Adesanya, he kind of needs a, a big rival, and you know, it, it looked for a while like it could have been Whitaker but it wasn't and you look through the division and you're thinking who's it going to be and then nobody really stands out he needs that that rival you know he needs that kind of uh, adversity in his fights and to come back and you know to for the fans like the fans love that stuff you know to, to really get people on board they, they want to see that and when you're and you're watching the Adesanya fight like it, as I said it kind of went um as I thought it would go, but after like you know halfway through the first round, you're kind of you, you're kind of thinking, oh, okay, this is how the fight's gonna go, and and there's no kind of veering away from that, and that's just the way it goes for the rest of the fight. And maybe in the in the third round, uh, Cannonier had a bit more success, but the fight, the results, and the fight never seemed in in any kind of doubt to me. So, yeah, it's, it's, the lack of jeopardy definitely hurts, but um, you know. <sighs> you can put together a nice highlight reel for, for the next promo, for the next fight and get people excited. All these people saying I'm never buying an Adesanya pay-per-view ever again and all that stuff. I, uh, you know, I doubt that will happen, but you know, if this continues and he doesn't get that kind of rival or that kind of uh, near equal in the middleweight division, then yeah, the longer it goes on, the less, the less people are going to tune in, but I don't see any kind of like, you know, mass boycott of <laughs> Adesanya pay-per-views because of it or anything. People, yeah. people forget and move on pretty quickly. I, I think, a lot of this as well is the fact that he came in and he, he destroyed Brunson on his way up. He looked like a guy who was improving. He had that unbelievable fight with Kelvin Gastelum as well. Uh, and it just looked like it was all, the world was made for him. And, you know, he got the, was it a Puma deal? And he he just, like, he, he seemed, he seemed like a guy who a lot of people would like. I, I don't know. I, I'm not his biggest fan. He's, he's a bit weird, but like, can you can you draw comparisons to GSP? Where on, on the way up, he was kind of a finisher going for it, and then when he got on top, he just played it super safe. And yeah, you know, but people still still loved and still do love G- GSP. I wonder will Adesanya hold it hold like a fan base like that? I don't know, but yeah, I think when you're going five rounds and you're you're kind of the pressure's on and you're 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 basically able to just kind of go out there and spar and and win handy decisions you know it's hard to you know take little damage you know it's hard to argue with that like you're making a lot of money and he probably would love to have kind of a rabid fan base that are that are like you know uh, hanging on his every word and can't wait for his next fight and all but at the end of the day he's going in there taking very little damage and like you know collecting a lot of money and keeping the belt 
Yeah, it is true. Like, it, uh, yeah, I I think there probably are comparisons with, with GSP and the fact uh, uh, he's a country behind him as well in New Zealand. Obviously, I'm, I'm sure a lot of fans in Australia and, and places as well. Uh, and obviously GSP had had Canada behind him and McGregor at Ireland and all that. That absolutely, it, I, I think it definitely helps. And, and look, it's I, I wouldn't say oh he's finished or anything like that, but uh, you know Anderson Silva had a few boring fights and things, and he was able to turn it around and stuff. But I, I think if you're at Asanya, it's funny because he's, I think he's kind of realised it because he spoke about it this week, and then he just went and performed like that anyway. It was, I I just maybe just think he just doesn't give a shit to be honest, but him not giving a shit will not work out for him well. I don't think. I I don't. I I think okay maybe people want there won't be a mass boycott or anything like that, but there also won't be like a mass following. There won't be a mass buying of his pay per views, um because of this. And like if this was a high selling pay per view, there was a much sport, uh, you know, gone on this weekend in terms of. Uh, I don't think there was any boxing necessarily or the NFL's not on right now or the basketball is over and all of that. I saw a few people who, you know, um, who wouldn't normally be watching the UFC over in America who were watching it. So I'd say this probably did pretty well on pay-per-view. So you had a lot of those, let, let's say that 15 to 20% of fans that wouldn't normally buy a pay-per-view who bought this. Will they tune in on, you know, in March when the you know are are in fucking December or when the NFL is on to to f- uh, watch an Israel Adesanya fight the next time, they probably won't like. But if Adesanya came in here, head kicked Cannonier over two or three rounds and destroyed and beat him into oblivion and finished the fight, would they then? Maybe there's a bigger chance of him doing it then. But he just he just he didn't he didn't and he I think he blew it in a lot of ways and I thought it was a horrendous fight. Like there's no point even going through. Uh, stopped taking notes three rounds into this there was a few leg kicks early um it was a close <clears throat> sorry it was a close first round Izzy was a little bit more aggressive in the second it was an eye poke just so boring really close third round as well and I stopped taking notes just rubbish after that again just fainting and jabbing and missing and everything you'd expect from the worst case scenario on this fight we got and I hated it I don't know. Like, I, oh, pretty shit. much. What did you expect to happen? Yeah, exactly. Like, this. this uh, I, I expected Israel Adesanya to be a clearly inferior fighter, comprehensively, and he kind and of he just he, <laughs> uh, he kind of fell over the line. Like it was fucking rubbish. Uh, I don't know about. Ah, uh, was I think rubbish. He pretty comprehensively, but yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't exciting or anything like that. But. He was two bunches away from losing this fight. I don't know about he that. He was. That first round was very close. If Cannonier landed a big shot there, he would have won the round. The fourth round was close. If he landed a big shot oh, there, he, he would have won the he, round. I think if he if he had a lot in the in the chamber, if he needed it, you know, if he needed to step it up, he, he could have, you know, I think. Yeah, that's true yeah. as well. Fair enough. And PD fucking didn't. Anyway, um, <laughs> do you think... I think Al- he needs, you know, <laughs> if he needs somebody to bring it, he needs that rival. I think that's Could it be Alex Pineda? Yeah, it could be, you know, they have a bit of a rivalry before and obviously he's coming off a really nice win that we'll talk about that was pretty much handed to him by Sean Strickland. <laughs> Let's just talk so, about that uh, now altogether because these guys are, yeah. are going to be linked. I could not Jesus get Christ. over how badly Sean Strickland was. And I know, uh, you know, Eric Nixon. I couldn't believe it. Like, I, I had him as a guy who could <laughs> stick to a game plan well Me and all too. this stuff, but I don't know what the fucking story was there. Uh, it was just diabolical game planning and, or execution. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck. Awful. And, you know, he's fine out of extreme couture. And Eric Nixon is one of these guys who has this great reputation as, like, this good coach. 
but I'm I'm not a hundred percent sold him. He seems like he seems like a really cocky sort of coach, and I would I would think that something like this, if he goes back and looks, and it might take away a little bit of that cockiness a little bit, because the gym has been going really well and stuff recently, and you know that's I don't know is it the best thing in the world, but maybe it's just Sean Strickland being an absolute idiot, honestly. So you're fine if people don't know, right? Alex Pereira. Just this fucking world-class footboxer knocked out Adesanya twice to the year once anyway and Sean Strickland goes in there and (laughs) he fights his normal stand-up just awkward style that usually beats people in the shittest division in the UFC just because it's awkward and people are not used to it and he (laughs) he goes in there against Alex Pereira doesn't touch him throws these stupid jabs out all evening and then just takes one left hook from Pereira and just goes down and gets absolutely destroyed no takedown Against Pereira, who almost got submitted by the biggest jobber the UFC's ever seen. Two no, even ago. threat or no. you know nothing to resemble any kind of worry for Pereira of a takedown coming. Awful! Is it? It has to be up there. One of the worst performances in UFC history, Graham. Is it? It's awful. I don't know. We've seen, we've seen like people like Cindy Dandois in there. So uh, I don't know. If it's At that, least she whatever. tried her best, like, and she she yeah. she's just a bad fighter, like. But Sean Strickland. Yeah. Just blew it like, and he just did not know he, he should have done I'd love it. to know what the actual game plan was. Was that the game plan to, to just do his normal thing? I, I like it couldn't have been surely. It, uh, if Extreme Couture uh, should close its doors in the morning, if that was the fucking game plan going into this, fight. <laughs> yeah. What the, what the fuck? Like you're fighting a world class kickboxer, and you go out there and you want a boxer in with your fucking chin up and just take a left hook, and you're just gonna walk into a left hook, walk, walk straight into a left hook. It was ridiculous. It was absolutely fucking ridiculous but anyway I uh, look Pereira against Adesanya at least there is that bit of jeopardy there like Adesanya is going to probably fight safe again or do you know what he's going to probably do I think he could take Pereira down honestly we could see you know, Francis Ngannou versus uh, Cyril Gagne something like that like Pereira hasn't proven himself to be able to like stop takedowns or to be able to do anything great on the ground yet when he did get uh, taken down he did okay in, in terms of takedown defense in, in that fight against Michelides but he did almost get submitted there as well and surely at this stage Adesanya has learned enough wrestling uh, to be able to do a bit of it. no maybe not it'll probably turn into a question we don't know well. like we, we haven't seen any offensive wrestling we've seen guys before who kind of try to rely on that game when it's, it's not their game and they get tired and things like that but I just think Pereira if he gets taken down, it's just it looks like it's it's curtains. Even for somebody who's not like uh, prolific on the ground like Adesanya, you'd have to you'd have to assume that he's going to have a lot more in in terms of the wrestling and grappling. But on the feet, you know, it could go either way. Like I, I wouldn't say like you know Adesanya needs to stay down immediately. I just think that's the easiest easiest route to victory, and we we've seen him take that route before, so that probably would be the game plan. But you know, there, there definitely is. Um, some some confidence from uh, Pereira there, like you know he's beaten them before, he's finished them before in a different sport, but you know on the feet, you definitely draw confidence from that, and you know that that could be some you know take away a little bit from the the confidence of Adesanya going in, but yeah, I'd be like I, you'd obviously have to pick Adesanya, but I think yeah that's the the closest thing to a rival that he has, and you know. That would be a big fight. I think people will be paying to see that. Even if you don't like Adesanya and you think this guy could knock him out, then you're going to be tuning in. So I think it's a, the fight to make. You don't, you want to make it before Pereira goes out there and gets, you know, taken down and submitted James Tony style. 
Yeah, I, I would agree. The, the one worry I would have uh, is that Pierre seems to be the stand there, wait for the one big shot and take it sort of fighter, which he's shown in his last couple of fights. Now, maybe that'll be different against Adesanya if it turns into a kickboxing match. But if that is the sort of fighter he is and he fights Adesanya like that, we're probably looking at another five-round snooze fest here. Although it might be a bit better because at least Pahaya might be able to jab back at him. The, the jeopardy will be there of, like, at any moment he could clean his clock. Like, you know, he definitely has that, that power and ability. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, he definitely... Yeah, that, that uh, yeah, uh, that's true. At least he, at least we know he has a, a chance. Like Cannonier just had no chance in there. So yeah, at least that that is a part of it. Um, I, I, look, it's a fight. He's beaten the number what four or five guy in the division now. Even though he was unranked, there's nothing else there in terms of something we care about. I'm sure there's other ads coming through. Muniz is coming through as well. We'll talk about him later on. That's definitely a fight I want to see down the road because Muniz is very, very good. But we'll get to that in a second. But um, yeah, look, Pejea versus Adesanya is probably going to be next. And uh, it's yeah, it's a fight that'll be built up a lot. But I can't trust Adesanya to have a good fight. Again, like it's it's probably going to be uh, a you'll, you'll, fest. you'll have forgotten all about this, and you'll be yeah, really hyped I, I, for. Uh, I almost <laughs> I almost forgot about his boar fest before until we're doing the preview show this week, and then I like said straight out, Harry did a bit of analysis, and I was like, Jesus, Harry, is this going to be five rounds of boring Adesanya faint festing again? And we were all like, Yeah, probably will be, and it fucking was. And uh, yeah, it's a fight I'd never choose to watch back again. I'm just shit. Anyway, um. The co-main event then, which should have been the main How the fuck was this not the main event? You had a trilogy fight against the two consensus best in the world, and you a fucking lad who's his best chance of winning think, was throwing a crystal out of the game. A third fight, it might be the UFC are thinking, you know, something fresh on the top of the card. You know, obviously we can look back at it in hindsight, and but if, if Alessandro had a great on out there and landed some nice you know, head kick finish or nice, nice left hand finish or something. Maybe you know, it's it's always it's always easy to say in hindsight. But uh, I said it beforehand yeah. as well. Yeah, I did a true. whole video about it. I tweeted about it. Everyone giving out to me. Oh, Sean! <laughs> I'm going full Ariel here, but Sean, what are you talking about? And the Sean is the biggest star. He's so exciting. He's fucking not. He is not as big a star as people make out. He's not exciting. Do you know who is fucking Alexander Volkanovsky, Max Holloway? They're exciting. They're, what like this? Okay, this fight turned out to be a domination, but it was intriguing the whole way through. It was uh, entertaining. It it was nonstop. Both guys went for it as much as they could. It was just a. It was, it was a very. It was a, it was a good fight. It was a good fight, even though one guy came out, um, you know, on top. And I remember talking about this coming in. I just, it would have been easy to say, talking about this fight, that it's going to be another close decision. And I think most people thought that, and I thought that myself for a while, but I was thinking about it a little more and going back watching the fights, and I just thought, and I said this in the previous show, that someone would would separate themselves. I'm watching the second fight back. I thought it would be Max Holloway early. I really did. Um, but it was, it was, I was wrong in terms of that. I was right in terms of someone separating themselves because Volkanovsky separated himself here in an absolutely 
massive way. And I have a lot of thoughts on the, the performance from Max Holloway, especially. But Volkanovski went in and he fought his fight like he did in the first two fights, and it was enough. It was, and it was more than enough. He was absolutely fantastic. Here. What was your read on this, Graham, on Volkanovski's performance in the fight in general? Yeah, like I thought Volkanovski would, would win the decision, but I didn't think he would be, you know, so comprehensive. Like he, I gave him every round, uh, 50, 45, and, you know, he seemed to be in, in control of the fight quite early. And, you know, he opened up that big kind of gash cut on the eyebrow of Max Holloway and he was landing a lot of damage and he just he just seemed to be doing the cleaner work and his timing seemed to be better and he he, he seemed to be frustrating Max and you know obviously for Max he, he knew it's, this is kind of his last his last shot of Volkanovski if he doesn't win this and he just couldn't make it happen he was just getting outclassed uh, you know uh, the timing and the Defensive work of Volkanovski was just on point all night. He's just an absolute tech, technician, uh, Volkanovski is. And, um, you know, we talk about him not getting respect all the time. And, you know, if he, if people aren't going to respect him after just going out there and dominating uh, Max Holloway, kind of, you know, having his way with Max Holloway, in my opinion, uh, for the majority of the fight, you know, it was an absolute masterclass of a, of a performance by a, by a guy who's, you know, he's always been a technician. But I think this was, this was just a really, really well put together five rounds and a, just a beautiful performance. Yeah, I think the difference between this as like a brilliant technical performance, uh, aside from what Adesanya did, is that he went for it every time Max like gave him an opening. He forced openings. He he fought well off the front foot and the back foot. It was entertaining. It was enjoyable, you know. And I think Fulkanowski is one of these guys who does. I don't think he gets enough credit for how good he is and how like he, he he's probably not the biggest puncher in the world in terms of big knockout blow now fighting uh, fighting 15 rounds against Max Holloway is probably not good for that either considering how good of a chin Max Holloway as we've seen when he fought um you know when he fought against uh Korean Zombie he was able to get him out of there and stuff he is you know and, and obviously fight the fighting Aldo before that as well another guy who was not not easy to get out of there unless you're you know from uh, from Dublin um but I just it was it was such a great performance, but Max to me, uh, and I get into the what happened in the fight in a second. But I I think Max fought a really technically or tactically bad fight. It was really bad because if you go back and you watch, I, I watched probably Max Holloway's last five fights here, including the two uh, against Volkanovski, and four of those fights, right. Max Holloway, every bit of success he has, it's because of his forward pressure and his volume. You know, we all remember the Calvin Cater fight where it was, what was it, the most strikes ever landed in the fight in the UFC or whatever. He just destroyed him and elbowed him up and just pushed forward, got to a place in the pocket where your opponent isn't comfortable and you destroy them there, right? Doing that against um, Volkanovski in the first fight lost him the fight because Volkanovski is a better fighter in the pocket than Max Holloway. He just is. He's proven that now over three fights. He's faster. He's more defensively sound. He hits harder probably as well. He's more technically. He is just a better fighter in that range. There's absolutely no doubt about it. But in this, you know, I said four of those five fights, Max fought that way. The fifth one was the second Volkanovski fight, where in the first two rounds, he didn't have that in-the-pocket pressure. 
he came into the pocket, went out of the pocket and landed with big, hard, impactful strikes. And he almost knocked Volkanovski out in the first two rounds. Um, and my thinking coming into the fight was, well, if he can do that again, add a bit more, then he'll get Volkanovski out of there. Because Volkanovski was almost out of there last time. And I was thinking, okay, maybe Volkanovski would change something or whatever. Volkanovski fought this fight the exact same as he fought the last two fights. He fought, and you know, there, obviously there's little bits of changes, but he he's basically an in the pocket. And I actually think he upped the output in lots of different areas. But he's basically an in the pocket, let you come on to him type of fighter. If you don't come on to him, he'll come up and he'll jab you forward. He's very much an A to B sort of fighter in a brilliant way. Max Holloway came in here, and what he did was so no, normally, as I said, he has that gargantuan forward pressure with the unbelievable volume or else he has the big power shots without the pressure necessarily in a, an ongoing way in this fight he had the pressure and none of the volume so he was just standing there in the pocket trying to like technically pick apart the best fighter on planet earth at technically picking apart someone in the pocket you could not have played more into Volkanovski's game if you tried. Max Holloway did everything possible for Volkanovski to win this fight. It was it was a real tactical mishap. It it like literally literally you couldn't have designed a worse game plan. You could not have designed a worse game plan I don't think than what Max Holloway had. He should have been hitting and sticking and moving getting out of that pocket at all costs you lost the first two fights because you lost the fight in the pocket get into the pocket when you need to fight in the pocket to land those big shots and get back out of it when you don't and he didn't he stayed there and he didn't make Volkanovski pay in any way for it and he lost the fight because of it like the, the, the first round was a bit slow Volkanovski was landing a few big right hands and Max did a bit late but from the second round on it was all Volkanovski he landed a big elbow he cut Max Holloway with the right hand Holloway did a little bit better late but that cut was so huge Volkanovski won that round in the third round Volkanovski was just a mile too quick landing great combos they went into clinch for a while he won that too the four round Max threw a few more shots but it just it felt like all of Max's attacks ended with Volkanovski landing harder than him landed some lovely jabs Max's nose was bloodied up at this stage but bleeding out of both eyes in the fifth round in it was a little bit slower Volkanovski landed a load of jabs again um, he attacked at times and it just felt like Max knew he had lost in the fifth round and Volkanovski kept that pace up kept attacking went for went to try to finish him in the fifth round at one stage even he didn't manage to do it but he just destroyed him tactically but I thought Max I thought Max tactically was awful. Was really, really bad. But take nothing away from Volkanovski. The only way he Max Holloway would have beaten everyone else at one forty-five in that game, but not Volkanovski. Not Volkanovski at all. What, what did you think of the fight, Graham? I know I've gone on a ten-minute fucking rant yeah. about the tactics, but do you do you think it was Max Holloway's game plan to to try and like you know fight in the pocket, or do you think it it just he was getting frustrated by the fight kind of? Once again, the round's kind of going Volkanovski's way and he's just trying to land that big shot, kind of, you know, turn the tide. Or do, do you actually think that that was, that was his game plan? He just stuck yeah. to it. Or no, do you think it was more of a frustration that, uh, I need, like, this isn't, I'm not going to be able to win these rounds. I'm going to need to land something big. No, that was his game plan. He came out and he fought that way from the very, very start. Like, it, 
if he tried to land something big, I think it probably would have been a better game plan against Volkanovski. Or did, you know, did something different, fought from the outside, kick leg, kick, you know, head kicks. Uh, Cormier kept saying in the, the commentary, and he... He was he look. He did a good job of of saying, and Max needs to kick the head. And I think he realized when he was kind of saying that, and Joe Rogan was saying it too. It was like we don't want to point it out that Max is fighting in the wrong area here, but he is. Like uh, Holloway came in, and you see from the very start. Go back and watch even the first two or three minutes of the fight, if anyone's watching here, and just look where Holloway is fighting right and what he's doing. He's like this kind of sunk over, walking forward pressure, but with no strikes coming. Like, and when I say no strikes, it's obviously he's throwing strikes, but he's not. Go back and watch any two minutes of the Calvin Cater fight and count how many strikes Holloway throws in that two minutes, and count how many strikes he throws in the two minutes against Volkanovski. I'd say you could nearly pick any two minutes versus any two minutes and the cater one would be more now it's obviously going to be more when you're fighting an inferior opponent to, to the greatest featherweight of all time in Alexander Volkanovsky but uh, there, there just wasn't enough and like even if there was enough it wouldn't have won him the fight anyway because that's how he fought in the first fight was comprehensive well not comprehensively beaten was well beaten in that fight the second fight was closer don't get me wrong but he didn't fight that way in the second fight so to revert back to what he did in the first fight, but with less output, I don't know what he was trying to do. I think he was just trying to like technically beat him. It wasn't the case. I don't think Graham. Maybe it was later, but I don't think it was the case of Max Holloway going in there and trying to land a one shot knockout punch, which I actually, as I said, I'll say it again. I think would have been a better tactic than the tactic he did. Tactic he did use. I think. I think Max Holloway just thought he could technically beat him in the pocket and he just couldn't he wasn't good enough to do it and Volkan and it's not that he's not good enough it's that Volkanovsky is too good it's just he is way too good for him I, I don't know I just did it was there anything from Max you saw that like would give him hope in the fight or did, did you see it like uh, that way as well yeah like I don't know I think I think he's just outmatched I think we've seen it you know obviously there was Closer, closer decisions than this, and people disputed uh, decisions and rounds and all that stuff. But uh, this was very comprehensive, and I think you know Volkanovski's uh, evolving, uh, still fight to fight at a at a rapid rate, and he's able to make adjustments uh, before and during the fight, like like you know up there with the with the very best. And I I think maybe you know Holloway's still young in age, but he's he's been in there a, a lot of rounds, he's taken a lot of damage. I don't know. He's not improving at the same rate as Volkanovski, and I think that's the problem. You know, the as long as Volkanovski's at the top, I think you know. Obviously, Max Holloway poses you know, a lot of problems, and you probably pick him to beat nearly every other, if not every other, uh, featherweight. But just when it comes to Volkanovski, I I don't know where in 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 what range he gets it done. You know, I I, I think Volkanovski's just able to make the adjustments and just uh, just just better everywhere uh, that he needs to be to beat Max Holloway and you know obviously Max Holloway nearly nearly you know in the second fight dropped him and could have finished him but uh, bar something like that you know it is MMA you can land a big punch guy can go down but I think you know just over the rounds uh, throughout the, the sequences I think Volkanovski's just he's just that bit sharper that bit quicker and that bit more technical and that's just that's just a really big problem for Max Holloway to overcome yeah, I spoke about it last week over in Sherlock about the, this is a massive fight for Holloway because where does he go now? You know, he's lost three times to Volkanovski. Um, I, I think he needs to move up. I think he needs to take his time and do it this time. Um, there are plenty of good fights for him up there at 155. Like, I'd love to see, put him straight up there and you know, have him fight Tony Ferguson. 
How about that? Like, and if he wins that, maybe Conor McGregor might be back at that time, you know? And that that's a very quick move up there for Max Holloway. And I think the, the Ferguson fight, a very winnable fight. Where's McGregor at in his career right now? That might be another winnable fight for uh, for Max Holloway. I, I think that's what he needs to do. In terms of Volkanovski, then, there were, look, Joe Rogan came in last night. Oh, you've cleaned out the division. You cleaned, cleaned out the division? Cleaned out the division? He's fought three lads for the belt. Three lads. He fought the same lad three times. How in God's name has he cleaned out the division? What is Joe Rogan talking about? What is he talking about? Like he cleaned I, out the, the cleaner of the division. He did, yeah, but that's grand. But that doesn't mean you've cleaned out the division, you know? He still has to fight Rodriguez. He's to fight Emmett. He's to fight Cater. Maybe he's to fight Arnold Allen. Like, these guys are no jokes. Bryce Mitchell is no joke. Yvalev is no joke. Tipuria is no joke These lads are very very good fighters Like, And to just ride them off like that I guarantee you people wrote off Alexander Volkanovsky Like that as well when he was ranked number 7 You know I guarantee you they fucking did Arnold Lallon is the one guy In that division I think who can beat him for strength He is so fucking strong Josh Emmett's strong as well and you know what He can uh, hit hard like as, as, as much as I like Arnold Allen I think like the striking technique differential Is just Massive. I don't think he's going to fight that way though. I, no, I I would pick Alexander Volkanovsky to beat all those guys, but still and all, he still has to fight him. Like Aaron Allen has won like eight fights in a row. Does he not deserve a title shot? He fucking does. Like, you know, Josh Emmett got a great win there. Well, he he probably should have lost to Keter, but anyway, uh, you know, I'd love to see Yair Rodriguez versus Volkanovsky can get another win, get back in there, whatever it might be. There's some very good fights for him there. Now, having said that. I actually, I wouldn't mind seeing him going either down or up. I think he has the most realistic chance of anyone we've ever seen of being a three-way champion because I think he could get down to 135 and I think he'd beat the the former champion at 155 as well and Charles Oliveira, I think he would. I think he'd beat most of those lightweights. He's just brilliant. Now, size might be an issue against some of them, but... I, I, I look at Max Holloway. Max Holloway is a big, big, tall guy, and he beat him pretty comprehensively. So, I that's how good I think Alexander Volkanovsky is. Do you know what? I'm a massive Usman fan, and I think he's fantastic. But I, I think Volkanovsky might be the pound for pound number one now for me. I think he might be. You know, he's right up there. He's he's really, really good. And uh, when you know, when I think he would be champion in three divisions. How, how could I not say he's the pound-for-pound pound number one? Now, if it said that, I think Usman would probably be the champion at 185 as well. If he went up there, I don't think he could get down to 155, but he'd probably be the champion there as well if he could get down there, but I don't think he, he can. But what a great performance from uh, from Volkanovski. I'm looking forward to seeing what is next for him. Right, let's run through the rest of the card. Uh, Brian Barberino, Robbie Lawler. Robbie Lawler started brilliantly. He was so defensively good. Barberino was throwing a lot, but Robbie was blocking everything. He was landing big power shots. Won the first round on two of the three judges' cards. Uh, was doing well in the second round, but then Volk, um, Volkanovski Barberino came out and uh, he just upped the pace. He took Robbie Lawler shots and Robbie tired and he tired and he tired and he got hurt and he got hurt and he got hurt and he looked 40 years of age. He looked 20 years of age in the first round. He looked 40 in the yeah. second round, didn't he? Like Barbarina was landing like a lot of shots in the second round, but they didn't seem to have that much power behind them. And in, in the past, you know, you would have expected Robbie Lawler to to eat them for breakfast, as you say. But uh, yeah, he, he did look like he's, bit, you know, he looked every bit his age and his, what is it now, 40, 45 fights. Uh, a lot of wars in there. Yeah, he, yeah, you know, in in the past, I think he would have been able to take those shots and land his big shots like he, like he was in the first round. But um, 
I just don't think he's able to take the the same shots uh, he was. But yeah, he did. He did like you know. Um, it was a lot of volume thrown by Barbara Arena and he stayed cool and you know deflected or rolled with or, or blocked or or had rolled a lot a lot of the most of the the stuff in the first round the start of the second round but the the ones that were getting through didn't didn't look to me to be you know big shots but they seemed to affect uh, Robbie more than maybe they they should have maybe I'm underestimating the the power of Barbara Arena, but I don't I don't think we've seen not a big power from him before and they didn't look like big powerful shots to me but obviously I think it was a good stoppage in the end I think Robbie was 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 out of it and it was uh, you know it was only going one way uh, didn't we <laughs> didn't we had O'Malley versus uh, Munoz the eye poke what, what, what were your thoughts on that one Greg was, it was a strange one wasn't it I, yeah, I'd say Dean Barry was watching that saying... Uh, he fucking was. He put it up on Instagram. <laughs> oh, did he? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even see that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Um, O'Malley didn't really do anything. Uh, he just ate a bunch of leg kicks and he landed a few shots. It was a close round, but he didn't really, you know, get anything off. And the second round, he seemed to be kind of getting more into his flow a little bit, but nothing... nothing spectacular um he was b- being a bit frustrated by Munoz I think but uh obviously the the no contest I think I think it was an accidental eye poke I you know I don't think he intended to do it so I think it was the right decision but it was a disappointing end to a disappointing fight a disappointing performance by O'Malley but for Munoz you know uh he was he was you know he was doing well he was he was keeping it tight he was maybe nicking the first round and some scorecards I don't know how you scored it but uh uh, he was making it close anyway, and you know he was doing he was doing a good job uh, in terms of trying to win the fight. Maybe not making it very exciting, but um, yeah, it's just it's just disappointing from Sean O'Malley. Yeah, I I would agree. I, I uh, two of the judges gave the first round to Munoz, and more importantly, I gave the first round <laughs> to Munoz. Uh, I just thought he kicked the leg out of him, and on the Dean Barry thing, like. Dean Barry, I poked Mike Jackson off of a clinch when he didn't have his fingers sticking out in in like a striking way, you know, where your your hand has to be either up or in a fist. It wasn't like that at all. It wasn't a striking exchange. He was posting off, and he had he had his hand out uh, and he had his fingers out. It what it was a post. It wasn't a strike. It wasn't a jab. It wasn't a feint like that. O'Malley had his fingers out. And, you know, they were looking, oh, where was the second night book? He had two fingers <laughs> in the eyes of Munoz at the same time. Now, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't egregious, uh, to be fair. And I think the no contest is right. But if you're DQ and Dean Barry for the way he got DQ'd, then O'Malley was striking. He had his fingers out in a way you're not supposed to have them out. Mookie Alexander tweeted about it. He called it in the first round. Sean O'Malley is doing this. He's worse than John Jones, I think he said. And... Um, didn't this this happens? I I, uh, I think he should have been warned before that. You could see it from a mile away, and uh, yeah, I, Dean Barry. I said it at the time, and I think I this proves I'm right. Like this was way more <laughs> egregious than the, than the Dean Barry one. He just got really unlucky in terms of the timing. And you know there was the yeah. the, the kick. I, I, I think they're both accidents, but I think this one is uh, kind of as you said, it was uh, an accident waiting to happen the way yeah, he was uh, fighting. And yeah. I don't know if he does that in training and with his sparring partners, but if he doesn't, then you know maybe it's a maybe it's a kind of uh, I don't know sk- uh, skating of the rules. But uh, 
you're, you're always going to get away with it. You know, he got away with it here. I don't think he did it on purpose, but he obviously knows that, you know, everybody in MMA knows that doing that can lead to an eye poke. And obviously in the in the flow of the fight, you, things happen you don't exactly plan. But yeah, I think, as you mentioned in, from the tweet there, it is something that with John Jones, that is an accident, like with John Jones, it is an accident waiting to happen. And it did happen here. So, uh, but having said all that, I do think it was it was accidental and that the no contest was the right was the right call. But yeah, if he hadn't been warned before, which maybe he should have been, then yeah, it could have went a different way. And like I'm very against points being taken in mixed martial arts, and I I hate this shit when people say, "Oh, the first warning is in the dressing room." But when you're standing there with like, and and if you're standing there with your fingers out, that's a foul. That is a foul. You don't have to put those fingers in the ice. To just be there with your fingers out is a foul. And if you're constantly doing that and then the fingers do go into the eyes, I have no sympathy for you. I think I, I would like more points to be taken for eye pokes because you can say accident, but you, you, you use a great phrase there, Graham, an accident waiting to happen. An accident waiting to happen is not an accident, <laughs> you know, because you know you're waiting for it to happen. So it, it, an accident by its nature has to be something that's, that's shocking. You're not waiting to happen. Uh, you're not waiting for it to happen. So, I, yeah, I am I think we need to, uh, the referees need to warn more. They need to stop the fight and go, stop this because, if you do that and then you have a situation like this, you can deal with it more strongly. But anyway, uh, we leave it like that. Uh, Jalen Turner then, not too much to talk about in that one. He uh, guillotined Brad Riddell after landing a right hand uh, on him. Very good stuff. I think Jalen Turner is definitely a guy to look forward to and look, look at in that 155-pound division. Uh, Brad Riddell obviously takes a step back now. Then we had uh, Jim Miller against uh, Donald Cowboy Cerrone. Uh, another guillotine joke, and, and Cerrone retired afterwards, Graham. I'm, I assure, I'm assume you're going to wish him yeah. well in his retirement. He'll never yeah, fight again. Uh, this will be his I last one ever. I written about his, about his career. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I'm looking forward to him jumping in on a week's notice in about two months' time. Yeah, 100%. But uh, yeah, look, a good win for Jim Miller and Cerrone's had a great career. We all know he'll be back. He even said it himself uh, afterwards as well. He would be back. Oh, did he? Yeah, <laughs> he did, yeah. He's like, oh, I might get the itch in a year or two. So I was like, yeah, of course you will. But um, yeah, we'll talk about Gary in a second, but we'll run through the other wins for, or the other fights first. Uh, Julia Stoliarenko, who'd been training with Liam McCourt and Andrew McGahan up there, got an, an Amber. Armbar, I don't know if you saw my tweet. Armbar got on the fucking thing as she was armbarring her in the replay. It was absolutely <laughs> fantastic. Uh, it was but a good performance by her. Macy Barber didn't beat Jessica. I, I retired as well. She'll probably be back. Uh, Andrew Munoz then just took Uriah Hall down and dominated him for three rounds. Not the most exciting performance in the world, but um, a, a one that is needed in that middleweight division where there are very few wrestlers. Um, I, I saw my guy Brian Petrie talking about it last uh, last night, and he was saying he's maybe a bit limited in his jiu-jitsu in terms of his finishing. Now, he's great jiu-jitsu, and that, do you know what? I mightn't disagree with him. If he could add another little bit to it there, maybe it's different, uh, but uh, yeah, good performance from him. And then Dricky Stuplessy against Brad Tavares. He won the fight, but God almighty, he took some damage in it, and he's wide open. If Brad Tavares could have thrown a counter left hook, he would have knocked Dricky Stuplessy down probably about eight times in that fight. But uh, anyway, good stuff from Duplessy. Graham, what do you think of uh, Ian Gary? Yeah, I thought it was a, a really good performance from Gary. He looked um, more comfortable in there um, than we or in the the octagon than we've seen so far in his UFC career. I think he looked kind of like 
uh, he's looked before uh, in Cage Warriors and stuff like that. Uh, he looked kind of at home in there. His, you know, he didn't have it all his own way, as we said he wouldn't. Gabe Green's definitely a, a game tough guy. He can take a shot and come forward. He's, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a tough he's a tough guy. He's a step up in competition uh, for Ian. But uh, you know, in in them those knees up the middle, his his hands, his uh, the sharpness and the smoothness uh, in there was just too much for Gabe Green. And I think uh, you know uh, he had a uh, Gabe Green dropped at one stage, but I think it's good that he got to go to the three rounds again. Um, it's it's easy to forget how you know how young in the game Ian is, but uh, I don't want to see him kind of propelled too quickly. Uh, obviously, we want to see him kind of. Uh, nursed <laughs> as much as you can be in the UFC and it looks like they're doing that they're kind of building him up steadily and he seems to be growing into in, into his into his game and he looks uh, to be making improvements like uh, like we we used to 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 see him make between fights and during camps and things like that so yeah, I think it was basically all positive for for Ian here he you know obviously he took a couple of shots and stuff but I think that's good there's stuff to go back and work on and you know uh to bring forward with him to improve uh, in the camp and going forward in his fight so yeah I think you know a really kind of perfect night for Ian Gary yeah, I, I honestly, I thought he looked amazing. I thought he looked really, really good for the size of him as well. And I, you know, I've interviewed him in person and stuff. He's a big boy, and the way he can move so quickly, you know, it was funny. Himself and Robbie Lawler fighting out of the same gym. The the way Robbie was kind of moving his head and defensively so good, it was very similar to the way Gary was. And obviously, they probably have the same striking coach or whatever it might be. But obviously, get you know, Gary has the old sixteen years of an age advantage on Robbie at this stage. But he looks so good, and it's weird though as well. A lot of those, a lot of the strikes from Gabe Green looked like they were landing. But if you watch very closely, they actually weren't. It was Ian Gary like moving his head and you know riding with the punches as well at times. Now he did ate a couple of punches, especially eight. It's not like I'm from the middle of fucking Kerry or something. But uh, especially at the end of the second round. But I thought he looked so fast. That's the bogger in you coming out, Sean. <laughs> it is, yeah. He looks so fast, especially in that first round. Um, uh, just his timing was absolutely fantastic. In the the second round, obviously, it was a little bit tougher, but he got to the clinch. He won all those clinching battles there. He's strong, good takedown defense. His balance was absolutely fantastic. He knocked Gabe Green down. Was the start of the third round, wasn't it? He's one twos down through the middle. Just it was all very good. And I, do you know what? I actually thought Gabe Green did a great job of cutting off the cage and making it a fight in the phone boot. And Ian Gary won that fight in the phone boot. Imagine if he wasn't able to do that. And Ian Gary was able to use his high lint reach advantage even more. Uh, it would have been a destruction altogether. But I thought Gabe Green fought very well, to be fair. But Ian Gary was just the level above. And, you know, 10-0 now, I've, <laughs> I've obviously been excited for Ian Gary for a long, long time. But I'm very excited after this one. It was it was a really good performance. You know, the last performance was uh, workman-like, I suppose, is a bit unfair. But it was, it was a performance that kind of needed to be done. A learning curve. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. This was like that except with just so much more fluency and, you know, so much more jeopardy, I suppose. And he put more power into these shots and he was able to defend against a better fighter than he fought the last time in Gabe Green as well. Very good. Very, very good. And, you know, obviously, as you said, Grant, there's things to work on, maybe to, to, to up it in certain areas, maybe to get his opponents out of there. But 
that's that, that's a kind of a small thing. That's something that'll come as well, I think. But uh, he's looking so much better defensively. I remember we talked about Ian early in his career, and he ended up giving out to us because uh, we said uh, he was taking too many shots. By God, he's not taking too many shots now. He's defensively. That was the one thing for me. He looked defensively so much better. And you could talk about the last minute or last ninety seconds of the second round. But even yeah, I was then, mentioned that I think he got eye poked right before that. He did, and yeah. It wasn't stopped. So that was kind of you know you could see him kind of trying to blink it out, and I think that affected a little bit uh, what happened in the the last minute. Even though there wasn't anything you know uh, too too uh, worrying for Ian there, but you know straight away when he had the when he had the minute to kind of you know clear his clear his vision and all that stuff, he came straight out and dropped him dropped Gabe Green straight away in the in the third round. So yeah, I thought that was impressive as well. Yeah, there's a lot of rubbish talked as well this week about like the, you know, the Irish fans not traveling and not being behind them. This fight was only two weeks ago. It was announced. You know, I know Ian Gary had known about it before that. But like, how are you going to fucking organize to go out to Las Vegas in two weeks? I think that was that was a bit unfair. And also, you know, you saw maybe a few of the interviews and stuff. People were kind of calling them a bit cringy and things. But first of all, I think him not getting in a post-fight interview was probably the best thing that could have happened to him. And I saw loads of Irish people coming out tweeting about Ian Gary afterwards as well. And that support was all there. And, you know, a lot of people talk a lot of shit about Ian Gary, but I think, you know, people, you know, throw a bit of criticism at the interviews or being a bit cringy at times or whatever. But when he comes out and he performs like that, the support is there. And I think the support was there as well going into the fight. So, you know, I think, uh, you know, it's very easy to be critical of a guy. He's fucking 10 and 0. He's doing great things. Still 24 years of age. Still a baby, you know, in life as much as anything else. And it's been a tough time. Moving country, getting married, a baby on the way and all. And he's dealt with it unbelievably well. Any criticism is small criticism for Ian Gary. So credit to him. As a, do you know, as a fighter, but as a, everything as well, he's he's done a he's done a great job. So fair play to uh, to Ian Gary. Uh, right, uh, we just I'll quickly run you through what happened in PFL, lads. I know a lot of people probably didn't watch it, but um, I, I actually have a video coming out on Sherdog this week talking about everything that happened in PFL this season. Uh, Kayla Harrison absolutely destroyed Caitlin Young. She's true to the playoffs now. Sadabusi beat Rory McDonald in a very very close fight. I thought he won. I thought it was a good decision. Rory obviously didn't again, but I uh, bought them or true. Ray Cooper is out. He destroyed Brett Cooper in twenty four seconds. Megan McCarrimov I think is out as well, but he got a, a big knockout there. Larissa Pacheco got her second first round KO uh, of the, the season. She beat Gina Fabian, who had been Julia Budd before that. Unfortunately, Julia Budd is not true, and she won't be fighting Kayla Harrison uh, this year, which is a massive uh, issue for them. Uh, Magomedo Malatov beat Al Shlawi, and then Makatina Jindrov and Kaleshnik Alwyn uh, won as well. And, uh, you know, the, uh, the regular season is now over, and we were going into the playoffs. So that should be fun. Uh, Centurion, Graham. I know you watched a lot of this last night. A lot of Irish fighters fighting. Um, I know Danny McCormack picked up a loss, but Keen Cowley won. Uh, Steve Costello won, if I'm not mistaken. I actually didn't see that fight. Uh, Nathan Kelly and Kiefer Crosby as well. What, what did you What did you think overall of the the show? I I, I tuned into that stream a few times, and yeah, by I, God, the stream was <laughs> diabolical, uh, embarrassing. It started off on Twitch, got banned. Then we managed to find a YouTube version with no audio, but it kept lagging and stopping. And then the Twitch was back, but then that was stopping. And yeah, it was just all sorts of trouble trying to trying to watch it. But uh, yeah, it was uh, obviously Danny 
Danny McCormick lost a uh, decision which I actually didn't didn't get to see because at the time the stream was banned. But um, uh, yeah, that's uh, obviously disappointing for for Danny. Uh, two losses in a row there, but uh, uh, I didn't get to see it, so I don't really know. I don't know if you saw that fight. Uh, yeah, the exact same thing happened to me. The stream was banned. Then I went back on the YouTube stream, and the whole thing was just like stop, start. You couldn't even watch it. So hopefully there will be a stream. Up somewhere where I can watch it, but no, I did. I didn't. I didn't see that. I saw. I saw the end of the King Cowley one. Did you see that whole fight? Yeah, I, I saw most of it. Uh, he got taken down in the first round, and kind of nothing much happened there. Uh, there in the second round, uh, I think the guy was the other guy was trying to do the same thing, get under him. He was a lot shorter. He was trying to get on the hips and get him down. Keely got Keen Keen Healy. I was going to say Keen Cowley. Uh, got a clinch and landed some knees and I think the I was watching with no sound at this stage because there was a some backup YouTube uh, dodgy and dodgy enough stream um but it seemed that he either verbally or tapped he verbally submitted or tapped uh, to the knees in the in the clinch from Keane and there was kind of a bit of confusion from Keane what was going on when the ref was trying to stop it so uh yeah uh I wasn't exactly sure what had happened when the, when the fight uh, ended but it was uh Apparently, a submission from from the knees and and, and the strikes. Yeah, keen to keen to that me last night because I was like, is he going to get DQ'd here? Because the referee was fucking mad, and then Keen was like, ah, oh, no, I was just showing strikes. It was like it was the referee's job to stop it. I was like, to be fair, he's right, you know. The referee did a horrific job, but Keen won anyway, and he look, he deservedly won. He landed landed knees and hurt the guy as well. Uh, and then Kiefer, Kiefer went in and just took the guy down and beat him a crown and pound. He just absolute jobber, 6 and 13. Uh, I didn't see the Nathan Kelly fight either. The stream went down again. I don't know if any of the lads saw it or not. But this this show, like, I, I couldn't have been less impressed with it, honestly. It was awful. Absolutely. It was embarrassing, like, for good fighters to be on a show like this. I know John Kavanagh recently was giving out about Cage Warriors and saying Octagon was a great show, which it is and all, but... To, to to say that and to be on a shit show like this, it was embarrassing stuff. Now the lads picked up good wins and all that fair play to them, but God Almighty, to for you know, well, I, I don't think they would have expected it to be uh, you maybe know, this bad. Yeah, not able to stream a, a <laughs> yeah. Twitch or a YouTube uh, stream <laughs> successfully in 2022. Like that's pretty much you, 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 that level of incompetence you probably w- wouldn't uh, wouldn't expect. Yeah, that, that that is true. To be fair, but you know when you you uh, when you when you throw when you throw stones like that, you probably uh, shouldn't be living in glass houses. But anyway, uh, UFC then next week, uh, not the best UFC card in the world, uh, to be honest. Um, on the undercard, not too much. Antonina Shevchenko and Courtney Casey, uh, Eamon Zahabi is back. Cynthia uh, Cavio versus Nina Nunes that should be a fun fight actually uh, Malarkey versus Johnson that'd actually be a good fight as well uh, Jamie Pickett is on the card Saeed Nurmagomedov is on this as well Kai Bahalio against uh, Armand Petrosian I'm actually looking forward to that I like Bahalio a lot and it's Dos Anjos versus Fizayev a fight that has supposed to be happening about 10 times um, Fizayev beat Riddell by a wheel kick a win that maybe doesn't look as good now after what happened last night and he beat Bobby Green and Hanato McCann before that Graham it should be an interesting fight this one I think a lot of it depends on where the Sanjos is in his career but I expect the two of these lads to to go to war I need to maybe look more into it I was very concentrated in UFC 276 but obviously we'll have the, the preview show this week what are your initial thoughts on it Graham? 
Yeah, it's an interesting one to see, you know, Desanyo step back down to 155. Um, I do think it's his best weight class, but when you're when you're kind of jumping around, it's a, it's not ideal, I don't think. And it's definitely a step up in uh, in competition for Fizayev. Uh, I expect him to have enough, though. Uh, you know, he looked good against Bobby Green and obviously got the wheel kick against uh, Brad, uh, Brad Riddell. Um I think you know already is on the downturn of his career. He definitely, he definitely has, he has like you know a good, well-rounded game. But I, I, I think the game's passing by a little bit, and I'd be, I'd be kind of disappointed in Viziev if he, if he didn't have enough here. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree. I think, I think it'll be a fun one though at the same time. Um, all right, everyone, that's it from us uh, for this week. Uh, Please sign up over on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Severe My Podcast. It's just the start of the month now. We'll have loads of stuff to QA every Tuesday, hot topic every week, every Thursday. We have Speaker's Corner. Uh, this week, there's an in, uh, an episode of The Chasing Back coming up with myself and Ian O'Neill. Loads of stuff uh, all the time. Uh, every week, you have four or five extra podcasts there. So, for four or five extra podcasts a week, and in a month, it's the price of a sandwich, the price of a pint, four fifty, four euro fifty with tax on top of that. So, you know, very reasonable. If you want to help us out, if you want to help us keep the lights on, please go over there and sign up. Patreon, p a t r e o n n p a t r e o n dot com forward slash severe MMA podcast. All right, we will leave it there. Graham, give us your quote for the week before we go. You are not to blame for bittersweet distractors. Dare not speak its name. The, the dog got in there on that one as well. Fair play to you. We'll see you all next Tuesday or Sunday or Monday, whenever it is.